Welcome to episode, wait for it, 118 <laughs> of, <laughs> of Breakout Culture. I'm Ed Vasey, the first and only culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf, and I'm certainly not the first associate editor of Country and Townhouse. And today we're going to be talking about books, hooray, and in particular, new fiction by women, because it's that time of year when the Women's Prize for Fiction is announced. Last year's chair, Marianne Seacott, came on the podcast to tell us all about it. But this year's chair is Louise Minchin. She is the well-known journalist and broadcaster who presented BBC Breakfast for 20 years. Before that, she was one of BBC News 24's main anchors. And she's presented many other shows, most recently, Tonight, The Truth About Stalking, ITV. She's been in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here and was runner-up in a final of Celebrity Masterchef. She's also presented lots of radio, including Sport on 5 and Drive on BBC 5 Live. She has a passion for endurance sport, competes in triathlons, including the super-tough Norseman, and recently took part in a 100-mile hike across the Namibian desert to raise awareness of mental health. And on top of that, she also hosts a podcast called Push Your Peak, I'm slightly daunted by someone who's achieved so much, but we're absolutely delighted to have lured her on to talk about books. Good morning, Louise. Oh, do you know what? I listen to you and I, I feel exhausted too. Good morning. It's lovely to I'm, be here. I'm, I'm exhausted as well. I thought you were going to start reading out Louise's O-level results. I love that you know that I did O-levels. Thanks, Ed. Uh, also on the podcast this morning is GCSE taker... <laughs> Irenison <laughs> Okoje, one of the five women judges. Irenison was born in Nigeria, moved to England aged eight and was educated in Norfolk, Lincolnshire and London. Ben Ockrey, who has also been on this podcast, recognised her as a dynamic rising talent at the London Short Story Festival. Her debut novel, Butterfly Fish, won a Betty Trask Award. She's been shortlisted for numerous prizes and she's also been a judge on many prizes. The 2020 BBC National Short Story Award, the International Dylan Thomas Prize and the British Book Awards. Like Louise, Irenison is a co-presenter of a podcast. In this case, it's Novels That Shaped Our World, which she does with the BBC. And her next novel, Corandera, is going to be published next year as well. And she's also an MBE. Irenison, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Not, not bad um, in comparison to Louise, although well, no, I'm I trying, mean, trying you know, to get There's there. a lot of things going on there, a lot of prizes, Irenison, MBE, you know, a lot going on. Uh, I'm delighted I don't think to Louise has an MBE, does she? <laughs> no. Oh, this is true. Yeah. When did you get your... It's when okay. did you, when did you get your MBE? Last year, I got it. Yeah, last year. So um, I was, yeah, very surprised. I was like, who nominated me? How did this happen? Uh, <laughs> but it was it was a lovely, lovely surprise, you know, to get acknowledged for, yeah, the work that I've done in literature. It was, you know, it's just a sort of hat tip, isn't it? That you're, you're, you're not doing back too badly. So that was, that was great. No, it good. really is an honour to have you both on. And the writers on the shortlist must have been slightly daunted by your dual achievements. Um, and those of your fellow judges, indeed. But this is a big prize, now in its 28th year, and the winner gets a stonking 30 grand. So there's a lot to play for. But you've wrestled the list down to six finalists, and we're dying to hear who they all are. I know two of the finalists are Maggie O'Farrell, who won the prize for Hamlet in 2020, and Barbara Kingsolver, who won for the Lacuna in 2010. So 
just because I'm a fan and I love this particular book, let's start with The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. Tell our listeners why this was shortlisted. Oh, gosh. How much are we allowed to say, Renison? I mean, <laughs> yeah, what, I want... what do you reveal? <laughs> yeah, what's been so wonderful um, about this whole prize, just a couple of things before we go into the books, is I have loved talking to my fellow judges. It's been an amazing experience. We all have really different, diverse reading habits, don't we, Renison? I yeah. love different things. And the great thing for me personally is kind of pushing me into parts of literature and writing that I wouldn't necessarily have picked up. And actually... I'm not hugely into kind of historic literature, but this one blew me away. I absolutely loved it um, right from the start. And I want to be really careful because I want people to read it, but you kind of don't, you know, you know, Erin and I know that um, you've read it as well, by the way, Charlotte, yeah. is that you kind of know what's going to happen at the beginning or you think yes. you do. And it just takes you back to, I think it's 16th century Florence, to this young woman who uh, basically goes into a really dark, evil marriage. And it's beautifully written. It's a tapestry, different layers. And I just, I fell in love with it. Didn't you, Renison? Yeah, no, it's gorgeously written. I mean, it's Maggie O'Farrell, so you always expect that you're going to be given a real treat. But it utterly captures that period so intricately. And what I love about her writing is how immersive it feels, Mm. you know, you really get brought into the lives of these characters, some of them not very pleasant. Um, but like Louise said, it's subtly done. I mean, she's such a masterful writer that she kind of weaves the intricacies of their lives really beautifully. Um, so, yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, like like the other books on the shortlist, absolutely exactly. gorgeous, gorgeous book. We have it's... no favourites at this point. <laughs> yes, we love them yes. all. <laughs> they're all amazing. Right now, there is all to play for because they're on our on our shortlist and there are no decisions at this point. So, you know, it really is. It's they get the books get judged in the room when we go back into that room. And also, we we always come to it. I think fresh um, after each break, we come to reading the books again, like with a fresh mindset. So you know, everybody gets a fair chance. So when when the six are, are done, you then reread those six. I'm planning to. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm doing blind. that too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So we, we want to make the right decision, guys. <laughs> you know, this is really important business here. So yeah. Because I remember Marianne Seacott telling us last year that she had spent every living moment of her last year reading. That she really sort of had to stop going out or watching telly or anything is, is that what you've had to do just read and read and read and read and read I mean Renison you probably read more than I did anyway but for me yes it was a kind of a deep dive into literature in a way that I probably I mean I've read I think I read over 70 or nearly 80 books I think and yeah. it was just it was amazing, but you're right. I mean, all these books, if you look at them here, they're all kind of, they're water damaged because most of, a lot of my reading was done in the bath <laughs> late at night. <laughs> no, so it, it, just... it, is, it, is, it is a little bit like signing your life away, isn't it, Louise? Yeah. For, for a certain period. I remember meeting you at that first um, sort of pre-judging meeting and Louise was so amazing. She was so excited about the book, what we all were about reading. I mean, I think you'd already started reading. Yeah, you know? I had, we, yeah. Were, we were like, what have you read? What have you read? What do you like? What do you <laughs> you know, it was just this wonderful, um, joyful chat about yeah. books. And it, and it has been like that. It's been a really um, amazing deep dive. I, I said mm. to Louise actually a little while back, do you know, I, I feel a little bit intimidated. Sometimes I'm reading books and I'm just like, why am I writing? Why why, why do I do this when other people write yeah. like this? Um, yes. But it's also just hugely inspiring, I think, in terms of 
craft and ambition and the kind of narratives that that women are tackling uh, it's hugely impressive and some of them are very very timely some of them are heartbreaking and devastating and a lot of time I've just kind of been in awe really Mm. um, at how these women have managed to do this whilst juggling obviously multiple commitments in their lives but you know it just speaks I think to the power of creativity and literature to be able to just create these worlds that absolutely just draw you in and make you think, wow, um, I thought I understood the human experience. Now I'm seeing whole other layers. And that is the wonder and magic of this prize, I think. Mm. And talking about the wonder of the human experience, let's talk about Jacqueline Crook's fire rush. Jacqueline grew up in Southall. She was in a gang. And this is her debut novel, A State of the Nation Portrait of Black Womanhood. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a firecracker. We love this book, don't we, Louise? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's about dub music, black, the power of black womanhood. It's about coming to the self. It takes place in Bristol, um, London, Jamaica. There's love, there's loss. There's like, you know, the multiple experiences that you kind of navigate as a woman. But also there is that nuance of black womanhood as well. It's lyrical. It's compelling. Uh, the characters are really, really well done. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, this is a book that I think has really garnered a lot of attention and and rightly so, uh, because, yeah, people are really excited about it and excited about Jacqueline's voice as well. Yeah. And she spent 16 years writing this book. And actually what's wonderful about the um, about the list is she's a debut novelist. So we've got three debuts on there. And I think what's really wonderful is you can. You know, the, she's got so much lived experience that comes through in a really powerful, moving way in this book. And I mean, it, it, I've got, I get goosebumps talking about it, don't I, Renison? I've done it again. Yeah. Um, it's a love story, but it's really, you know, the end is just kind of blows your mind. There's so much, there's so much to it, and it is. You're right, firecracker. I'm going to use that, Renison. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Fire Rush. <laughs> Now, now let's talk about the other book that's all over the place at the moment. And I was saying to you earlier, Louise, I saw it at the airport. This is Louise Kennedy's uh, Trespasses. Let's hear about that because that's everywhere suddenly. So she's another um, she's another debut novelist. And she's what I also love about the prize this year is that lot, uh, our youngest writer on the prize is 49. And uh, that's that's actually some that's Priscilla Morris, who wrote Black Butterflies. But Louise is a slightly about my age, actually. And it's about the troubles in Northern Ireland. And it is actually um, a love story that happens during that. It's kind of like an illicit love story in some ways. But what I you know, I'm a newsreader. So all I see or have over the last many years is the headlines. But these are the stories behind the headlines. And it's, again, very moving, very troubling. um, But there's so much kindness, actually, at the heart of it. And again, just a fantastic new voice as well, isn't it, Renison? Yeah, no, she's brilliant. And what I think is so great about this book is with all the turmoil that's captured in it, it's very sort of clear-eyed and sharply written. Mm. Um, It's moving, but it's kind of not, um, overly sentimental and I think she's a she's a brilliant new voice um, and, and so thrilled to see it everywhere at everywhere. the moment. I it too, really is. I too, <laughs> I'm seeing it everywhere. I saw it on the tube the other day. I was like, oh wow, this book is really getting a lot of traction, um, which is which is fantastic. And as Louise says, she's a she's a great new voice. Um, so uh, there's a lot of love for trespasses out there. Um, lots of people are talking about it and, and rightly so. So let's hear about the other debut. 
Priscilla Morris, Black Butterflies. Um, so Priscilla, this is about um, this again. And to my point about seeing behind the stories and the effect on humanity of some of the things we do. So this is about the siege of Sarajevo, which I remember. And it's about a, a woman living through it. She's an artist. She's 55. I love that she's a 55-year-old protagonist <laughs> right at the heart of this. I'm 54. Yes. <laughs> and it's about a sort of descent from this beautiful city, which is incredibly sophisticated, into horror at some points. Mm. And for me, mm. it was very poignant, particularly with what's going on in Ukraine at the moment yes. and the impact on all the people there. And that's what I really felt for me kind of shone through. Yeah, I love the fact that um, along with your points, Louise, that it's also about community and community trying to come together to work through this really difficult time because she's living in this apartment building, isn't she? Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are other people that are obviously also trying to get through this horrific experience, but they kind of try to come together and, the, you know, the use of her artistry as well to make sense of what's happening um, is really wonderful. I, I love novels about artists. I mean, sometimes they can be self-indulgent, but this is done really, really beautifully. I mean, it's so vivid, the sense of place, um, Louise. It's just mm. gorgeously, gorgeously written. Um, and again, you feel completely transported and immersed in this world. Really powerful um, writing. She's half Yugoslavian and half Cornish, isn't she? Yes, and so that makes mean, sense. When you read yeah. it, um, you'll understand you know, that definitely plays into how she's written it and why she's written it as well. So you'll understand when you've read it. Ah. And what about Laline Paul, who's done Pod, which is about a oh, dolphin? Do Laline Pod, yeah, Pod is, is it about... Is it written a... from the point of view of a dolphin? Yes, yes it, it is. is. Yes, it is. <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, women pushing boundaries. It's about the internal lives of of this dolphin. And it's just so powerful and moving. She's navigating treacherous waters. She's trying to save her family and she goes through all sorts in order to do this. But it is this exploration of the separation between, you know, the, the animal kingdom, um, the sea kingdom and, and, and human beings and actually how much more closer we are, how much more we have in common than people think. And it's, it's, it's such an intelligent book. It's profound. It's utterly devastating. It's gloriously written. Um, I absolutely love, love this book. I think Laline Paul is a star. I think she's a visionary writer and it speaks to so many themes um, that we're grappling with at the moment. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a wonderful book. Ed, it's not just a dolphin. There are other creatures as well, yes. extraordinary creatures <laughs> that we learn lots about. Um, but for me as well, to all those points is... It's, it feels like a really important book because it is so much about what terrible, horrific things we as humans are doing to the rest of the planet. Mm. And it really explores that and makes you feel very, I mean, I just, I found some of it actually very traumatic to reading because, you know, we are responsible for terrible things. So it's a, yeah, it's a, an important book. It's extraordinary. And you don't feel like you're, you know, you don't feel like, oh, I'm thinking like a dolphin. You feel like they are... <laughs> people don't you Renison? yeah you do <laughs> you do absolutely um yeah it's an amazing amazing book yeah yeah some some of it's not comfortable reading actually some of it but but it's very it's a very powerful book I mean you've got to read all the books on this list but this this I think really kind of can sh would shake you up actually shook yeah. me up mm. Amazing. Because this is not a debut book, is it? She's written The Bees. It was something to do with bees, didn't she? Yes, she was shortlisted yeah. before, actually, on the prize for that. Did she write that as a bee? 
I think she, I, I'm not sure. I think she did a Renaissance. I, I haven't read it. Sorry, Unbelievable. I, 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 don't think, I don't think she wrote it as a bee, but I think but she, she used I the sort of lives of bees <laughs> to inspire the writing. I love that. <laughs> so let's go on to the other uh, giant author on this list, Barbara Kingsolver. What's her? What's I mean? I I read a lot about Demon Copperhead when it came out. Tell us a bit about that because obviously it's a reimagining of David Copperfield. Where's it set and what's the story? Yeah, this is set in the US and it, like you said, it's a reimagining of a, a, a classic Charles Dickens novel. It's about the opioid crisis and um, a character who's kind of he's born into circumstances that there's a kind of terrible inevitability about it um you know uh born into circumstances where he's treated badly there, there's drug use in the household the father's dead the mother struggles um characters come in and out of his lives um social workers fail him the system fails him uh there is some light in that he he aspires and does become a football player but that that ends badly as well so what you so it's kind of uplifting this novel <laughs> well, yes yeah. uh, well, I mean, it's Cheer you up book. by the pool this summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much darkness in this, but again, what a book! What a book! It's so it's a tome of a book. I mean, Louise can testify to that. I just, but wow! Oh my look god! At oh, yeah, so we're looking at it now. It's huge. It's enormous. I just looked. I mean, I know we've committed to read them again. This is 548 pages. But so it's a reimagining and a rewriting, isn't it, of David Copperfield? And it is just extraordinarily, it just draws you in. And about by chapter two or three, I was completely in love with Demon. And I just wanted, was desperate for his life to be okay. And these these awful things happen to him. Everything is against him. And, you know, this is real... It's a real expose, isn't it, actually, Arenison, of what is mm. you know, people's lives at the moment and the very uh, traumatic circumstances that some people are trying to get through. And that's what he... So it's written in our times. And again, very, very powerful. I love what somebody did. One of her, her readers did a comparison between Demon Copperhead and David Copperfield. So if you know the story of the previous, you'll kind of know the arch. But all the time I was thinking, oh, no, not that. And it's it's very, anyway, she's absolutely, somebody said, I think that it was either, that basically it was either very ambitious to do this or absolutely genius. And I've fallen down on the absolutely genius side. <laughs> and it is, you know, some of it is hard reading, but mm. at the end, honestly, it was, it again, it, I just, I cried. I'm not going to say why, but I cried like a baby at the end of this. And where's it yeah, set it, in America? It's, it's, it's an extraordinary trip. It's in the Appalachian Mountains. So oh, where, where actually, she lives, isn't that yes, where she exactly. lives? Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, what yeah. she knows, it's where she lives, and you can tell that in the power of the writing. So what happens now? You've got this short list of uh, six. <laughs> Um, and t just tell our listeners who the other fist, judges fist, are quickly. Fisticuffs, fisticuffs at the next judging meeting. It's good. Are you, are you all going to fight? I'm marvellous. Who are the I'm other joking. judges? I'm such a troublemaker, a mischief maker. No, no, no. Uh, so we've got, uh, we've got uh, Rachel Joyce, who is obviously a wonderful writer herself. We've got Bella Mackey, who um, you all have seen her book is everywhere, um, How to Kill My Family. I mean, that has done extraordinarily well, hasn't it? And also uh, Tulip Sadiq as well, who is an MP. She's a Labour MP. Um, so you've got a real sort of diverse, I mean, you know, we'd never, I'd never met any of you before, actually. So you sort yeah. of get into this room and into these WhatsApps and we're going to stay forever. 
Yeah, no, it's been amazing, I have to say. Um, wonderful group of women. And also Louise is being very gracious, but she is, I have to say, the dopest, most brilliant chair of judges I've ever had the pleasure and privilege of You've working with. You've done a with. lot of judging, be, haven't you, be, I have, yeah. I have. So I know yeah. about this, but she she is so passionate about books. I mean, she is so passionate and is just such a big champion of them that you cannot help but be enthusiastic, you know, even... <laughs> Even if you think, God, how are we going to get through reading all these books? She's in the WhatsApp groups, geeing everybody up. Come on, guys. How's the reading going? We've got, reading this. We've got this. I mean, it's just extraordinary. I mean, triathlete at heart. This is such I a most of those triathlon. Those, most of those messages are for the benefit of myself because I'm thinking, gosh, can we manage to do this? Are we ever going to get to the end? That's how I motivate myself in a marathon or whatever I'm doing. No, how many do you have brilliant. to read? I mean, how how does the long? I mean, how do they get on the long list? And then what happens? I mean, take us through what happens. Um, I'm not sure how much they're allowed to say. And publishers put them on the long list, don't right. they? Yeah, uh, they're they allowed do. a certain they amount, them. aren't they? So how yeah, many do you have to read? I mean, I've, it was similar numbers. I think sixty or seventy each oh was like Louise. Yeah, it was at yeah. least it was over seventy. I think was, some years are more. I think we had quite a big year we, because we had a lot. Um, a lot of people had been writing uh, during COVID, and then all the publications came oh, out. But, yeah. but I just, you know, I'm immensely thankful to having done it because it has changed me. And it's, you know, I was always a reader when I was young, and I, hmm. you know, those years on BBC Breakfast, I just didn't have time to read, and I'm so grateful for it. And I just think the most important thing about this prize is that it encourages other people to read. Other people will, and these books are going to go on a. An, an immense journey they are on anyway but because they've been on this prize they will sell you know dozens hundreds more all over the world and I think that's to just get them into the hands of more readers is just super exciting for all of us yeah it's amazing and also how extraordinary to be a debut author if you you know to be long listed for the women I mean if you were questioning whether or not this was your path <laughs> this is this is going to give you so much confidence going forward and it's also like we said you know it's about valuing the voices of women we still need a prize like this because women are doing extraordinary things and writing amazing stories but unfortunately that you know that it remains that they still need support you know they yeah. still need to be amplified so that's why this prize is so important because of what it does I'm really looking forward to it, but it's just, you know, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because they're all beautiful, different, mm. ambitious, excellent, original in different ways. And how you, you know, it, you know, they've all, I mean, it sounds terribly cliched. They are all winners, but we're yeah. going to have to choose one. And how are you going to do that? Do you all just lock yourselves in a room like a jury until yes. you come out yeah. the other yes. side? Yes, <laughs> pretty Literally. much, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, so it's you going don't to be put a time limit. No time limit on, on... I don't think there is a time limit, is there? No. I mean, there should be. <laughs> I think it's how a long nighttime gonna, one, this one. How long are we going to duke it out for? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, uh, that's going to be a, a fascinating conversation. You know, we all have we all we love the shortlist we love the long list too yeah. um but i think you know things change after you read again as they yeah. often do so I, i'm going to be intrigued to see what has changed for which judge and mm. um you know how how we come to decide who deserves to win because like louise said that they, they're all doing extraordinary things they're all super ambitious they all have that emotional core and center that just absolutely draws you in so how do you define what 
makes the best book on the day. On another day, that could completely change. So whoever that woman is, is going to be a very, very lucky woman, I tell you. And I'm looking forward to the discussion. And to all the readers, um, I know lots of people who listen to your podcast will be avid readers. I just would thoroughly recommend go try them all because they are really different. And that's what I'm one of the things I'm most proud of, the way that this list has come together, that they will stretch you. Uh, you will probably read things that you wouldn't have read and just go for it. Give it a go. I mean, I think what must be really hard about this decision is you just use that word um, deserving there, Irenison. I think what must be really tough is, you know, you look at, at you know, somebody like a you know, Maggie O'Farrell, who's just so internationally applauded and revered now. You know, it must be very difficult just to stick mm. to the merits we, of we the are brilliant really, storytelling. Yeah, I'm on this, aren't I? Very hard. Yeah. She's no, on it. I'm on this. <laughs> I'm like, they are judged in the room. Yeah. They're not judged by who it's written by yeah. or what yeah. their reputation is yeah. or anything. And that's, you know, I suppose that's testament to what we've done is that there's, some, mm. there's three debut novelists on there as well. Yeah. So it, it, they are judged really, everybody who's, all the authors who are listening, they're judged in the room and nothing more than that on the yeah. pure quality of that book, that writing, and it doesn't matter who they are. Oh, and that's great. how it should be. That's how it should. That's the fairest way to do it, really, I think. Well, that's so exciting. And, you know, listeners, we will obviously uh, come back and tell you who won if, if it's Thank not you. all over the place already. <laughs> we'll try and get it all over the place. <laughs> they might find out on Twitter before they we can tell They just might. They just might. Do you yeah. think? No. Do you think, Ed? <laughs> they might no, have I'm... a look, Ed. They might just have a sneaky look. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick segue. I'm going to do a quick segue because of Louise's distinguished career in news reading. So there is a lovely video doing the rounds on Twitter of a very nice newsreader who cuts to a video and then stretches her arms because she thinks she's off camera. But of course, the video fails to play (laughs) and it comes back to her and everybody loves it because she has to kind of recover and she does so very professionally. Louise, what was your biggest thing going wrong on telly moment? Oh, I mean, can I just do one recently? So at the Women's Prize for Fiction shortlist announcement, I You're so on message. You're so on message. You refuse to move away. This is a podcast about the Women's Prize for Fiction. We are not stage and I knocked. There was this enormous pillar with this hugest vase of flowers in it and I knocked it and it wobbled and I caught it. No, my most embarrassing thing was, I mean, it's it's so many, thank you to all the millions of people who've looked at it, was the moment that I let out mosquitoes live on television that was and I lost the plot I you know because you always have this thing where I did have a thing where I had a particular thing in my head as a boss a particular boss who who when thing when things got wrong and you have those rising giggles right when you really shouldn't be giggling and I, I'm a terrible giggler and I used to think about this boss Oh, God, it make me go now. And, and it was like, if, if I was about to giggle, and if I thought about his face, like a cold bucket of sick was poured over my head. I'm so dying I to know who this boss is. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's been a lot. There's been a lot. It could have been any of them. And um, But then once I giggled through it, I giggled through it because somebody off air had said something really rude two seconds before we read the headlines and then I couldn't read the headlines. And then I was with John Sopel and I, I, he read the first headlines. I was snorting so much, they couldn't even come to me. It was so embarrassing, Ed. The next day, we couldn't actually, the next day, we I couldn't even be on the set at the same time because I was still giggling. 
So yeah, um, so that never came. Well, no, the giggling came to air, but it was appalling. And then I had to find something else because I'd like gone through that sort of safety zone. I didn't have a safety zone, so I had to reinvent another one, which I did. But anyway, there's so many things that happened to me, and it was it was awfully embarrassing. But it, you know, that's why people love live telly, actually, isn't it? When things they go do. wrong, they mm. absolutely love it when things go wrong. Yeah. So yeah, Mos- mosquitoes. Have a look; it'll make you laugh. <laughs> There you go. That's a little bonus point for all our loyal listeners. Not only do they get to read six wonderful novels, they also get to search for Louise, type in Louise Mosquito and yeah, see what comes up. Yeah, do you know what? It's one of those things that if I'm having a bad day or bad, I just go and watch that and it still makes me laugh and I'm at the centre of it. So just if you want cheering up, go look there. Oh, well, on that note, thank you both so, so much for coming on. That was so much fun. It's a and Good you can see with the, the, dis- the discussion goes on long. We never stop talking, so sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we loved it. <laughs> Thank you for having us. That was oh, joyful. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you both so much. Before we go, we wanted to alert you to a major new exhibition by the Austrian artist Erwin Worm at Yorkshire Sculpture Park this summer. Trap of the Truth is the artist's first ever museum show. It's opening on the 10th of June, but it runs until April next year, so you've got plenty of time to go and see it. Erwin Worm is known for challenging the rules of sculpture with humour and experimentation. Well, with a surname like that, you would, wouldn't you? Often giving commonplace objects human characteristics and messing with the form of things like boats and cars, so they suddenly differ from reality. It's going to be a great show. It'll feature more than 100 works, including 19 in the landscape, and another 55 inside. If it's raining, of course, you can go and look at it inside. There'll also be paintings, photographs and drawings on display in the underground gallery. That's it for another episode of Breakout Culture, but please don't forget to visit countryandtownhouse.com where you'll find the latest edition of the magazine and our sister podcast, House Guest with Carol Annette, on which she talks to some of the most fascinating and influential names in interior design. If you enjoyed today, please make sure you follow us or subscribe. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love you to leave us a rating and a review as it really helps others to find the show. And if there's anything in the arts and culture landscape you think we should be talking about or investigating, please send me an email at charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. And don't forget to follow Country and Townhouse on social media. You can find the links to all our accounts in the podcast show notes. We'll be back on air with a new podcast at the same time next Friday. Have a lovely weekend. Goodbye.